this nice idea of they, they're so anti each other. And for this one brief moment, they share a moment of, wow, we're, we're humans together. And then they realize what they're doing and they turn again. And it's like, I've, I've got nothing to do with you. You are the enemy. You are the horrible person from next door. Um, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter um, 18. Jesus is uh, speaking there about forgiveness. And then he comes to verse 21. He says, well, Peter, I'll, I'll make Peter. Now, if Peter's going to say something, you know, it's going to be the sort of thing that I would say and you might say to Jesus. Peter's the guy who doesn't know when to stop his mouth. Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone? Uh, and the, the someone there can also be translated uh, my brother, I believe. Um, one guy said, poor Andrew, Peter's brother. If he's speaking about his brother, he's coming. So how often do I have to forgive my brother? But let's, let's say someone. How often do I have to forgive someone who sins against me? Shall I forgive them seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven, or 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Uh, he couldn't pay, so his master, that millions of dollars there, just for your information, Jesus says 10,000 talents. Uh, 10,000 was the highest number that they used in calculations in those days. The talent was the highest monetary value that you had in those days. So Jesus is taking the highest amount and the highest monetary unit and saying, uh, this guy owes the king sort of as much as you can owe someone ever. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please, be patient with me. I will pay it all. And then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him, and he forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. And his fellow servant fell down before him and he begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. We've heard those words before. But his creditor, the first servant, wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very, very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on the fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. If you read the book of Second uh, Samuel, um, you see some interesting <coughs> stuff about the great King David. King David made some mistakes, and there were consequences for that. Um, one of those consequences was that his son Absalom, at one point, decided to overthrow his father's kingdom. And David, rather than fighting, he decides to flee. He runs away, and, and as he's going, uh, there's this guy who stands there and throws dirt and rocks at him. There's a guy called Shimei, 
And he curses him going, ha, 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 God's getting even with you, David, what you did to Saul, the previous king. And one of the guys with David wants to take out his sword. He wants to go and kill this Shimei dude. And, and David looks at him and says, no, 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 maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe God is punishing me. And they get away. Later, um, things turn around and David's coming back. He's returning as king to Jerusalem. And the, the first person to meet him, I think even as he crosses the river, is this Shimei with supplies. And he falls down and he begs for forgiveness. He says, I shouldn't have done it. Please, David, forgive me. And David says, Shimei, I promise to spare your life. In effect, I forgive you. I mean, what a great man of God. Have you ever had someone like that who just has a go at you and, and you have every right to get angry with them? And here's David and he says, look, I have every right to be angry at, at you. For what you did to me, it was wrong. But I'm going to forgive you. Isn't that brilliant? What a great story. Now, if you were at music practice on Wednesday, you know how the story ends though. Um, because King David goes on, he, he lives a bit longer, and as he is on his deathbed, handing over the mantle of the kingship to his son Solomon, he turns uh, and he, he looks at Solomon and he says, yes, would you remember, I think it's Belial or something, Belial, I forget the name, this guy did it, not Belial, that's the devil, I think. <laughs> um, he says, here's this guy, Bariah, something like that, he was really good to me, make sure you look after him. Um, and by the way, Shimei, make sure he has a bloody death. <laughs> and David dies. The last recorded words of this godly man of God is, please make sure this guy who I forgave suffers for what he did to me. 2 Kings, chapter 8. Sorry, 1 Kings, chapter 2, verse 8. All those years, and David had held this bitter grudge. Against Shimei. Now I'm sure that none of us here, like we've we've dealt already with worry, and we found that nobody here worries at all. Um, we've dealt with guilt, and nobody here has anything to feel guilty about. Um, but we're dealing with bitterness now, and and I'm sure that every single person in this room, could you just put your hands up? Just just put your hands up. Now put your hands down if there has been nobody ever who has hurt you. And who you're angry. And you felt angry at them. Wow, Graham's got both hands up. <laughs> Most of us have a shimmy in our past, don't we? Someone who has hurt us. Someone who has done horrible things to us. Perhaps we have someone not just in our past but in our present. In fact, maybe you've got more than one Shimei in your life. A man called Ron McManus says that bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Bitterness is related to unforgiveness, isn't it? Um, it's bearing a grudge for a hurt that we have had to endure. When, when someone hurts us, we tend to remember it and we want to pay them back. We want to make sure that they suffer for what they did to us. And, and quite often we are justified in that. 
because they really have offended us. They really have cost us something. They really have hurt us. Uh, a man called Smeed, I think this is in your bulletin, says, and I, I really love this, resentment, which is all in that family of, of emotions. Resentment is yesterday's irritation scratched into the sensitive membranes of our memory. Now what I read in a book this week, which is really interesting, is that actually uh, things like bitterness actually have a biological effect on your brain. The chemicals that are released, they actually burn holes in your brain. <laughs> Our brains are like strains now. Our brains are like strains. Yeah, but the wrong kind of holy. <laughs> but they also saw, found one of the interesting things is that uh, these holes can be filled with new nerve cells. And one of the best states in which these nerve cells grow is when people are forgiving to other people. We find it so hard to forgive though, don't we? Sometimes. Uh, especially when we have been wronged. Grievously wronged maybe. Uh, and, and, and what about when we've been wronged and we forgive and then the person goes and does the same thing again? Or maybe does something else but hurts us again. When is enough enough? If you went to the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they would say to you, um, there are definitely limits. Uh, in fact, if you want to go with the, the more generous uh, Torah rabbi teachers, there's a quote from one of them over here. It says, the first, the second, and the third time he is forgiven, but the fourth he is not forgiven. And so Peter comes up to Jesus, my mate Peter, who I, I like so much, and he comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm going to be generous to a fault. One, two, three times. I'm, I'm going to more than double that, Jesus. Shall I forgive someone seven times? You know, the perfect number. I, I'll, I'm, aren't I a, oh, I'm a good man. These rabbis, they only forgive three times. I'll forgive seven times. But you notice he's still like us. He's, he's still saying... I'll forgive you, but there are limits to how much I will forgive you. There's a limit to how much you can hurt me before I say that's enough. I want nothing more to do with you. I, my dignity has been affected too much. And Jesus' answer might seem a bit unreasonable to us. He, he turns around and says, uh, Peter, not seven times, 77 times or 70 times seven. Um, it, translations are confused about if it's 70 times 7 or 77. That's not the point. The point is just this ginormous amount of forgiveness. In fact, it might even be going back to the Old Testament where, uh, where I think it's Lamech says, uh, uh, well, Cain killed his brother Abel, was punished by God, said, people are going to kill me. God said, no, if they kill you, whoever kills you, I will punish them seven times over. Down the line, Lamech comes along and says, well, I'm more important than Cain. If somebody who hurt Cain was punished seven times, someone who hurts me will be punished 77 times. Just this astronomical order of magnitude greater. And Jesus is going, Peter, 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 I'm talking about forgiveness and love here. And I don't want you to just go to this, this sort of level over here. I want you to go astronomically greater than that. I want you to have an order of magnitude greater willingness to forgive. 
Move past the counting, Peter. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says that love doesn't count wrongs. Love doesn't reckon wrongs. And it's that word from accounting. It's love doesn't keep records of all the times that we've been hurt. And some of you are going, yes, but Nick, you don't know what's happened. If we're still keeping records... Let's have a look at what Jesus says because he explains it, what he's talking about with a, with a story. Why should I keep on forgiving those who forgive me? Why, why should I not keep an account of how much they've forgiven me until I count up to the point where enough is enough? Where it tips over the balance. I mean, is Jesus being just unreasonable saying, just keep on forgiving? It's a story of two guilty servants. Um, if you work out this, the sums of what 10,000 talents is, um, one talent is equal to about $780,000 in today's wages. Uh, so 10,000 talents is about $8 billion. One of the commentators writing on this passage says it's probably best to translate it. He owed the king gazillions of dollars. Just like this astronomical figure. And he comes and he says, the king says, right, you owe me this money. And when he cannot pay his debt, the king decides to sell him and his family into slavery. And this isn't going to cover the debt, but it's, it's, it's going to bring in some sort of repayment. But it's also going to punish this man because he has done the wrong thing. And the king is well within his rights to do this. It's, it's like uh, if, if I stop paying the repayments on my house, the bank has the right to come and take the house. It's their money. It's their property. They can do what they want. And this servant, this first servant who owes $8 billion, and that's a lot of money now, but that's unheard of figure back then. He comes and he says to the king, just a little bit more time, please. I will pay it all back. Now, in terms of good excuses, that has to rate at about the worst excuse you can come up with. That's like you. I don't think we've got any billionaires in the church. It's like you coming and saying, it's okay, Nick. Uh, uh, just give me an extra 60 days. I'll have an extra billion dollars for you at the end of every week. And in eight weeks' time, I'll have paid you off. And this king looks at the servant with this stupid, ridiculous offer. And he pities him. And he cancels the debt and he lets this servant go free. Releases him from jail. Grace and mercy. Mercy is not giving us what we are owed and grace is giving us what we don't deserve. He shows him mercy by not insisting on his rights. He shows him grace by giving him freedom when he doesn't deserve it. And, and this costs the king a huge amount personally. Eight billion dollars. Gazillions of dollars. And the king just says, you look like, I just feel so sorry for you. And because I love you, I'm going to let 
that ride. And someone's going to have to pay that debt, but it's not going to be you. I'm just going to write it off my books. I'm going to take the cost on myself. And you know where I'm going with this, that we don't owe God money, but we, we owe God so much. And we come before Him guilty. I love, I love Peter. The very first thing just about that he said to Jesus, when he saw Jesus uh, do a miracle with the fish, uh, bringing fish into the boat, Peter looked at Jesus and he said, go away from me. I don't know about you, but is that the first thing you said to Jesus? First thing Peter said to Jesus is, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinner. I, I, I'm not worthy of you. I mean, all of our sins pile up against us. We, we don't let God rule all of our lives. We, we hurt each other. But the fact of the matter is that whenever we hurt each other, we are always hurting God as well. Um, God made us to honor Him, to reflect Him, to, to be His ambassadors. Uh, David, after his um, incident with Bathsheba, he writes a psalm. And in that psalm he says, against you alone, O God, have I sinned. Now that's not quite true because he'd sinned against uh, Uriah, he'd sinned against Bathsheba, he'd sinned against the commander of the army who he got to commit murder for him. He'd, he'd sinned against a whole lot of people, but, but David knew that whenever we sin against other people, we are sinning ultimately against God because God made us to live for Him. And when we refuse to live for Him, when we live for ourselves, when we, when we live out of our selfishness, we are not only hurting each other, but we are hurting God because God doesn't want us to live like that. God, we, God made us by rights. He can insist that we live for Him. God and we know that we'll never be as holy as He is. We can be like this servant standing in front of God, and one day we will all stand before God, and God will say, give an account of yourself. Have you lived for me? And we might, we might stand before Him now already and go, God, just give me a bit more time, and I'll, I'll, I'll there's a line from a song that says, I'll, I'll turn this sinking ship around, and I'll, I'll make it back to you, I'll pay you off. And, and, and God looks at us and He goes, you can't. There is nothing you can do to bring your life back, to pay off the debt of what you owe me. I gave you a life. I gave you existence. I gave you so many good things. And you've used that to rebel against me. To build yourself up and to break others down. You're meant to be my servant. And this is the miracle of the gospel. And that God looks at us and goes, you... You've got to be joking. You can't pay that back. But but I'm going to take that cost to myself. I'm going to... I have such compassion and such pity on you. I'm going to take the hit myself. I'm going to... I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to... You owe me so much. And there's no way you can repay me for what I've done for you. But I'm cancelling that debt. 
The second servant, this first servant goes out, he's been forgiven, there's a wonderful, he comes out and he finds a second servant. This servant owes him 100 denarii, which is about uh, a third of a year's wages. So what, what are we talking? Um, uh, $20,000? $15,000, $20,000? That's, that's a fair amount of money. That's not an inconsequential sum. But if you hold $20,000 in one hand and you hold $8 billion in the other hand, there's a slight imbalance. Obviously, the $20,000 is a lot more important, which is what the first servant realizes. He comes and he says to the second service, mate, you don't know who you're dealing with. Do you know, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? You owe me $20,000. You owe me. And he grabs this guy and he doesn't, he doesn't just go, oh, just when you've got some time. He grabs him by the throat and he starts choking him and he throws him into jail. How dare you snub me? How dare you not give me what, what you owe me? He demands his rights and they are his rights. Technically, he wasn't doing the wrong thing, was he? If Jim owed me $20,000, I could go to Jim today and say, Jim, pay up. And if he refused to pay up, I could call the police and have him thrown into jail, maybe. I could, I could take you to court. Jim doesn't owe me $20,000. <laughs> this, this servant was behaving within his rights, but in no way was he acting like his master. And there are some other servants who see what's happening and they, they dob him into the king. And the king calls him in and he calls him what he is. He says, you are a wicked servant. Why? Because this servant who'd been forgiven so much thought that his rights were more important than the king's. And let's just, let's just think about this anyway. First servant owes $8 billion that the king has forgiven. Where did he get money to loan to the second servant? From the king. And so the debt that he has given that guy, he's trying to play both sides of the, of the, the, the game against each other. I've been forgiven there and I'm 100 denarii up. I'm $20,000 in the black. Woohoo! But his attitude is... The king might be a schmuck who forgives me. But I deserve what is owed me. And the scene ends with the king throwing him into prison uh, where he's going to be tortured and, and he's going to stay there until he pays back $8 billion. Now if you're in prison, especially in those days, you're not earning much money, he's in prison forever. Carson says it's precisely because God is a God of compassion and mercy that he cannot possibly accept as his those devoid of compassion and mercy. Mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. Grace is giving someone what they don't deserve. If we really get how much God has forgiven us and how often God forgives us, it should give us a slightly different perspective on our lives. Yes, you might hurt me, but 
But I am just as bad as you. I have hurt others. In different ways, maybe. But forget others. I am just as bad as you in the eyes of God. I'm not more deserving of pity than you are. You might say, well, Nick, that's fine, but that person has done a really horrible thing. I read something that says, ordinary sin differs, if you take the distance between ordinary sin and an extraordinary sin, like a big sin and a little sin, it's like the difference from Perth to Sydney. Seen from the perspective of the sun. We stand here on the ground going, wow, that's huge. That's a big thing. God, God looks down and goes, there's a black spot. And there's another one and they look the same to me. Jesus says here at the end of Matthew 18 that those who won't forgive others cannot expect to be forgiven themselves. If we think that God's forgiving us is just a small thing or that our hurts are bigger than the hurt of God, then we haven't really understood the magnitude of what it cost God to forgive us. Uh, I think a key to forgiveness, uh, and, and bitterness is that holding on to unforgiveness, a key to forgiveness is to stop focusing on what you have done to me and instead to focus on what Jesus has done for us. To see how I have been hurt in light of how God has been hurt and God's response to that. But Nick, Nick, you don't know. I'm not as bad as. You don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. You don't know what... You know what, maybe, but perspective. The cost of God forgiving us was the life of his son. John Piper says that an unforgiving spirit, when you boil it down, is actually an unbelieving spirit. We don't really believe that God forgives us because, well, I wouldn't. We don't believe that God would forgive you because I wouldn't. Maybe we can say that belief is realizing that God forgiving me is the most awesome, extraordinary thing that I can ever, 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 ever experience. Saving faith is faith that is staggered at the thought that I am forgiven. If we just go like, yeah, I'm forgiven, that's fine, and just move on, we haven't really got it. God gives us so much, and in so many ways we have thrown it in His face, and yet He forgives us. He sent His Son for us. 
And God doesn't just tolerate us. He forgives us. He, he doesn't count our wrongs against us. In, in fact, he, he counts Jesus' righteousness against us. He does the opposite. 1 Corinthians 13.5 Love doesn't keep a ledger of wrongs. To love is to forgive. And I can possibly love you because God has loved me so much. And if God can forgive me, and if I know who I am, how could I look at you? Yes, you've done horrible things, but, but look at me. And I'm forgiven. Can you believe it? It's incredible. And now I'm going to send you to jail because I'm forgiven, but you're a scumbag. We don't have to do it alone. My life when I'm forgiven by God is God's life anyway. In fact, whether I'm forgiven by God or not, it's by right. God's life anyway. We can hand our hurt over to God. And yes, sometimes our emotions are just, we want, we want somebody to pay for what they've done. God says, vengeance is mine. Sometimes it's really difficult. And again, you go to the Psalms and, and you read David writes, he says, Oh God, uh, would you please deal with my enemies? I'm handing it over to you. I have some suggestions for you. Would you please uh, kill them, murder them, dash their children against the rocks? This would be good. Now could you, you know, it's horrible things that he says, God, please do it. And I'm sure God's just going there, David, 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 you haven't got it yet, have you? But at least he's handing it over to God. You know, maybe it's something we have to always be doing. You know that person that has hurt you, uh, that, that person that you've got a bitter grudge against, just time and again you go, God, I want to smash this person down so hard, but you've forgiven me and, and I realize that, that I am, I'm just as much of a scumbag as they are and they are a scumbag, God, but so am I. And I'm gonna, just, would you love them through me? And help me to forgive them. Yes, there are times when you have to both forgive and protect yourself and others. Um, but Jesus' point is that we should never give up on making forgiveness our goal. Because God never gave up on forgiving us. And God never will give up on forgiving us. Is it? Can I, can, is anybody excited by that? I'm just looking at you going, isn't that brilliant? Um, the hands up scumbags in the church, please. Two hands, please, Graham, especially. I'm putting my foot up too. And we're forgiven. The fight against bitterness, the fight against refusing to forgive... And it's a choice, isn't it? Saying, I will not forgive. Because though we hate the hurt that is done to us, we love licking the wounds. Maybe it's just a, a thing that was in my family. And this is probably going to gross out half of the church. But you know when you get a scab? And you pick at the scab. And you go, ow, oh, that was so sore. And yet you pick at the scab. That's what bitterness is. It's picking at the scabs and it's disgusting. Stop it. 
Uh, N.T. Wright says that forgiveness is... Refusing to forgive someone is not the same as walking past a starving person and then going to have a meal at home. Uh, Refusing to forgive someone is... Well, forgiveness is more like the air in our lungs. There's only room to breathe in the next lungful when you've breathed out the last. If you, if you insist on breathing and holding in your forgiveness without letting it go to others, then you're not going to be able to take in any more yourself. And you're going to suffocate. How do you overcome forgiveness? Oh, well, how do you overcome forgiveness? <laughs> how do you overcome bitterness? Choose not to hold on to it. Don't be like David who, who says all the right things, but really in the back of your head you're going, I've got this written down and I'm going to make sure I, I'll keep my word, but I'll play the game so that Shimei gets what he deserves. Because if we're about giving people what they deserve, then we've missed the point that God hasn't given us what we deserve. How do I overcome bitterness? One, believe that what Jesus says is good to us. And good for us. Believe that Jesus can be trusted with my life. Hurts and all. Realize the staggering truth that you are forgiven by God despite all your sins and the ludicrous nature of your thinking that you might be able to make up for them. You can't. God has looked at you and said, mate, you're useless, but I love you and I'm forgiving you. Trust that justice will be done. Perhaps that justice has already been done on the cross. And for those who refuse to accept that offer of mercy, justice will be done. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. And whenever you feel bitterness creeping up on you, and we like it when we, like it's a nice feeling, isn't it? A horrible nice feeling, but when you feel that, As a matter of will, take your stand and say, God, thank you for forgiving me, the chief of sinners. Help me to forgive this person. You know, it's one of those things, it doesn't always come easy to forgive because we're not God. And unforgiveness is as much a sin as guilt and worry. But if we deliberately insist, as the song says, in terms of when Satan tempts me to despair, let's change it, when Satan tempts me to despair, when Satan tempts me to bitterness, I look up to him who made an end to all my guilt. Determine not to hold on to our grievances and eventually, I believe, God will be working in us 
If we keep looking at someone and going, God, you love that person, I really struggle eventually. God will start working his love into our hearts. And it might take decades. Again, next thing to do, admit that you have a problem letting go of the hurt. Don't be a David going, yeah, I've forgiven Shimei. But actually you haven't. And once you've admitted it, decide to forgive them. Both because Jesus said do it, but also because he has forgiven you. And because it is a poison that you drink. Bitterness doesn't hurt the other person. Um, Buddha. Switching religions for a minute. Buddha said bitterness and resentment and that sort of stuff is like holding a flaming coal in your hand to throw at someone else. Which is stupid because you're the one that gets burnt. Admit you don't want to forgive them. Decide to forgive them. Ask for God's help. And focus on the future. You know, as Christians, we don't have to live always looking in the rearview mirror. We can choose to set our minds on Jesus, on the prize that is set before us, on Him who has rescued us. And yes, being free from bitterness does involve a cost. Forgiveness always costs. And yes, it might cost you to forgive someone. And even when you forgive someone, they might not apologize. And isn't that just the worst thing when you forgive someone and they refuse to apologize? It might cost you a lot to forgive someone. It might cost you emotionally for years to be enduring this battle of the mind with God on your side going, God, help me to forgive. But in relative terms, the cost paid to forgive us is higher than any cost you and I could ever pay. Is it fair that we have to forgive people who hurt us? No, it's not. It is not fair when people do the wrong things that we should have to forgive them. But if you want fair, you're in the wrong place. And if you want fair, then fair is for you too. And fair means $8 billion that you can never repay and you will be punished for all eternity for being apart from God. If you want fair, that's fine. Go for it. God will give you fair. I don't want fair. Grace is never cheap. It wouldn't be grace if it was. But it certainly is amazing. Brothers and sisters, you have been forgiven much. A more ragtag bunch of horrible sinners I have never seen since the mirror this morning. But a more forgiven bunch of sinners I have never seen. Think of the person that you have been holding a grudge against. God loves them. God loves you. And ask yourself, do you want what is just and right? Or do you want to have your cake and eat it too?
matter how bad it is. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he give you his joy and his peace. May you know the joy of being forgiven, of being friends with the King. May the awesomeness of, of what he has done for you so seep into your hearts that you look at other people the way God looks at you, with compassion and mercy and undeserved grace. Amen.